The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 29, The Making of a Podcast. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity process and open source software during my work commute. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. Happy Valentine's Day! Er, well, if, if you're listening to this on any day other than the day that I'm recording this, happy used to be Valentine's Day. In any case, today's episode is, is a bit meta. It's it's a podcast episode about how I make podcast episodes using free and open source software. I take you step-by-step step through the process I use to record, to edit, and distribute each and every week. So, this also makes the show a, a bit of a how-to-ish show. It's a little bit more how-to-ish than I normally do, with more technical information and, and, and that sort of thing. So, I definitely give me a shout if you... if if and I want to hear your opinion on it. I want to know what you think about the, this this kind of format of show. In any case, might as well let's just get into it, yeah? Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. working on coming up with an interesting way of saying hello but in any case welcome to the show today uh the whole plan i think is to talk about more less less opinion piece stuff this is actually a a sort of a, a nuts and bolt nuts and bolt nuts and bolts man i can't speak today at all i should just restart this but i'm not going to because i already started <laughs> in any case, this is uh, this will be a, a nuts and bolts episode. I remember three, about three weeks back, I, I said that I was gonna um, give a podcast on a little kind of a meta podcast, a podcast on how I do podcasting. Well, that's what this episode is gonna be about. Yay! So this is mostly I, I've had a few people ask me I, uh, about how, what my setup is, what what my process is for for. Editing and recording my, the the podcast, and so I figured I'd just go ahead and cover it here, and then I then I can point people to this episode when they ask again in the future, because that would be useful and convenient. So that's that's the plan. Now, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the 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 reasons for podcasting, and mostly in my case, I'm 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 sure I've mentioned this before, but I have a work commute. I tend to talk to myself in general, so why, if, if some of that might be interesting and useful to other people, why not record it and share it? That's, you know, that's how I figure. Uh, I mean, sure, there's there's a, um, a, a not entirely altruistic motive, I'm sure, in terms of, like, you know, making making it sound like I know what I'm talking about. So establishing my own personal credibility, blah 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 blah. I mean, that's those are some of the reasons why you would want to do podcasting. One thing, and and also because I kind of like it. I've I've discovered that I kind of like it, and I kind of like I kind of like working in audio. I, I do enjoy sharing information and teaching and 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 
also the just by the sheer act of of talking something aloud i actually help it helps me personally process things and um so it's it's almost journalish in some some ways on on that front but that, that what i will say is that if you have any interest in doing your own podcast depending on the production quality that you you want to have in that podcast think hard on it because it 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 does demand a certain amount of time. Now you could do, you could do it a little haphazardly. You could just sort of, you know, put out an episode whenever you record. And, and, but when people listen to podcasts, I know when I listen to podcasts, I like a show that comes out on a regular schedule, be it bi-weekly, monthly, weekly, daily, um, regardless of, of, of that. But I, I, I like having some assurance that, oh, oh, this show comes out once a week, usually on this day. I, now, admittedly, I, I try to get my episodes out by late Tuesday night, Eastern Standard Time, but sometimes that bleeds into Wednesday, and so, you know, that's hopefully a, you guys will tolerate me on that. And, of course, I have some, some mitigating factors and the you know, background noise from, from when the car is moving. It's, I don't have a soundproof car. <laughs> But I enjoy doing this, and there, there's, there's, there's a certain satisfaction I get and, and, and value I get from, from doing a podcast and participating in a podcast. And so if you're interested in doing a podcast, definitely take those things in mind. That said, if you don't want to do a regular show or just want to sort of test your waters... I, I, I strongly recommend, if you're not already listening to Hacker Public Radio, you should. Hacker Public Radio, if, you have, if you're not familiar with Hacker Public Radio, let, allow me to educate you. <laughs> Hacker Public Radio is a, is a uh, user-contributed podcast show. It's a daily podcast on weekdays, and shows are contributed by people who are listeners. And they could be recorded on a phone, they could be recorded with high-end gear, they could be recorded by calling into a, um, a phone number and the voice, that voicemail becomes the podcast and it can be just about anything as long as it's of interest to, to hackers. And I say hackers in the, like the maker builder tinkerer type of hacker definition of the word, not the, um, not the, the malicious software intrusion type of hacker. Uh, but that's a, that's a, a, a good podcast, one good to listen to, but it's also, if you're interested in doing any sort of podcasting, it's a great way to get your feet wet. That all said, what's my rig? How do I do it? Well, it's, it, starts, it starts with the recording, obviously. And so when you're talking with a recording, a lot of people are going to record you know, at their desktop, at their laptop, and they'll plug a, a mic in to, to that. Now, when I first started doing this, um, I had a, a tablet that... I, I was using the uh, earbuds with the built-in microphone for that, and that that was okay. But if you listen to any of the early episodes, sound quality not that great. Now the sound quality now is is, in my opinion, all things considered, it's pretty it's pretty good, and I, I have a pretty good handle. And that's partially because of the gear that I'm using. And what is that gear? I am using, and uh, this is just sort of factual it's not so much a, a, a product endorsement but I am using a zoom h1 which is an itty bitty little field mic but it's nice it has 
built into it, it actually has a pair of stereo directional mics, which are, are quite nice, but I don't want to hold the mic to my mouth the entire time that I'm talking because, you know, I'm driving. I got to use my hands to steer and signal and, you know, those sorts of things. So, and, and, and while though the, the built-in stereo microphone on the Zoom H1 would be, I, you know, if I put it on my dashboard and named it on my face, I'm pretty sure it would pick my voice up just fine because I'm a loud, boisterous guy. <laughs> but you get better sound quality when, when you have the mic closer to your face, but not in your mouth, of course. And so for that, I actually have a lavalier mic. It's a Rode lavalier mic that is uh, really quite nice. The, the, the Rode mic, the, the Rode lavalier mic that I have is actually designed to work with phones and tablets, but I got an adapter for it so that it would work with just a, a, um, a single line single line input that, that the H1 takes. And that, that gives me, I think, very good sound quality. The mic is placed, you know, uh, say, probably six inches below my chin. I actually clip it to the seat belt for when I record, because that's a, that's, that's a good positioning and it's not gonna move around very much and, and unless I get to a car accident, but that'd be a very interesting show. We're gonna try to avoid that happening. <laughs> so I have my road level here, Mike. I have it connected to the Zoom H1. When I record, I record to wave. I don't record to MP3 because even though MP3 is smaller, I'm gonna get better audio quality if I record to straight PCM audio. And I'm using 44.1 kilohertz. You could use 48, 48 kilohertz if you'd like, but 44.1 I think is, is what you get on CDs for those of you who still use CDs. And, and that, that's more than sufficient for, for most, most needs. So I get the recording done and built into that also, I, I should talk about when you do a podcast, you should probably do some level of planning. You should kind of maybe know exactly what it is you're going to be talking about rather than winging it the whole time. I'm, I do, I do have a tendency to wing it, but I also sit down and I have, I have a little bit of knowledge about what I'm going to talk about. And then I just go from there, but I do actually have a couple documents on my, on my computer that sort of list the topics that I, that I think would be interesting for, for discussion on a podcast. And I sort of slowly work my way through that list and unless something timely or interesting comes up or I happen to have a rant <laughs> that that supersedes whatever else I was I was scheduled to talk about as as what happened three weeks ago and a lot of the time I can I actually store those files on on my own cloud instance which reminds me I need to upgrade that to next cloud eventually but I keep it stored on there and Basically, before I, I get into my car to, to drive to or from work, depending on what I'm recording, I, I sort of basically have a notion of the general topic about what I'm gonna talk about. Every now and then, I might you know write down some specific bullet points and headlines, but for the most part, I can keep it in my head and, and carry it forward from there. Every now and again, I'll have a piece of paper that you know, I remind myself that I, I need to say something specific or, or those sorts of things. But for me, that tends to be less less the case. And I've had enough practice at this, I guess, that uh, I don't I don't I don't bullet my my discussion points quite as much as I as I did when I first started. 
so I have my prog- my podcast planned. I have my podcast record by the podcast. I have the, the the episode planned. I have the episode recorded. Once I have that done, I save it. Of course, make sure it's it's all good and pristine and happy. And then I take my my sound file, pull it into my home computer where I do most of my editing now. The edits on this are relatively simple. I all I'm using in this case are, is Audacity. If I wanted to be a little bit more more complex, I know some people will use um, Ardor or they'll use Q Tractor or something along those lines. But for for simple, this is this is a simple single track audio edit. It doesn't really need that much oomph in terms of of editing prowess and. So I'll go through and and edit in Audacity. Oh, which reminds me, room tone. Now, in most situations, from when I was, especially when I was doing more video work, I always record room tone, which is, if you're not familiar with room tone, what room tone is, is you take a, a sample of the room. It's exactly what it sounds like. So you keep quiet and you record silence, usually about 10 seconds worth of it. And that room tone, you can use for all sorts of interesting stuff. You can use it for uh, noise reduction. You can use that when you do edits to just smooth out the edit. There's a lot of value in having that little bit of room tone there because it can, it can really, really help your editing a little bit. And all you really have to do is, before you record, wait. Right? You just wait 10 seconds or so. Or when you're done recording, wait 10 seconds or so. Now, me, I'm doing this in a car, and the, the, my room, my car, the, that, that bass tone varies depending on how fast I'm going. If I'm on a highway, if I'm stopped at a red light, you'll notice that you won't hear my car moving if I'm stopped at a red light. Like right now, traffic's kind of thick. Therefore, the background noise is pretty quiet. As I as I start to speed up, then then it gets loud again, and, and so for noise reduction and for for clean edits on 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 a podcast recorded from a from from a drive is uh is is more of a of a complex beast. So I I I no longer record not since like the first or second episode. I don't really record room tone for the uh or at least i don't use room tone i still i actually still put in a 10 second uh lead and a 10 second tail on what i record and that's basically to guarantee that i get my intro and i get when i finish so i don't you know there's 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 room for when i edit to 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 trim those things off later it's always better to over record because you can always cut things out and so when i get into audacity to edit the first thing i typically do now is trim off my 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 heads and tails i trim off what would be my room tone at the beginning and and the 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 extra 10 10 seconds i record at the end of my uh at the end of the episode and that guarantees that i have my my good audio and sometimes i actually i don't trim it right to the word because i want to have a little bit of leading because again as you heard in this podcast and all my previous podcasts i do have intro music and an outro music and so you want you want you can use the and i do use the car tone to smooth the transition in and out of the music between um between those things so that that's one facet of that that's that's worth bearing in mind is again that 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 
that additional tone recording is very useful when it comes to editing, so I highly recommend doing that. As I go through the edits, I actually, at this point, don't edit too much. I mostly I'm, I'm checking to make sure that the audio is there. Everything that I recorded is actually recorded and is actually there. As a, you know, my recorder didn't randomly shut off on me or or anything like that. And so I'm 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 listening to it then. And so so for that, I listen in Audacity at like two and a half x speed. I get, I can, since I listen to podcasts at 2x and 3x, listening to myself on Audacity at that speed is, is actually not so bad. The only downside to listening to, your speed, to yourself at that speed in Audacity for the real-time playback is that it doesn't pitch shift. So I listen to myself sounding like a chipmunk for, for, that, for that duration, which kind of sucks. I really wish that I could just adjust the, the tempo without adjusting the pitch for, for real-time playback, but I don't, I don't think that feature is in audacity if you happen to know how to do that though drop me a line let me know it'll make my editing sessions much much clearer every now and again i'll cut out an um or a you know or a so or one of those moments where i go and and then i change the topic <laughs> mid-sentence yeah i I have, a, I have a tendency to do that because, you know, part of it's me winging it and part of it's I get weird ideas in the middle of talking and so I'll I'll digress and, and then I have to go with that. And I don't really, but I mean, that's that's the extent of my edits. I don't take chunks and move them around or anything like that. It's it's really making it so that it's not boring to listen to. So I'll, I'll cut out moments where I, I stop to take a drink of water or I say um or I can't word things out properly. Word things out properly. How's that for irony? Word things out properly. That's not even proper English. Where I try to choose the right word to say what I'm saying. For education's sake, I'm not going to cut that last section out so you can see something that I would normally probably cut out, but I'm not going to. Ah! <laughs> Education. It's beautiful. All right, so once I have that edited in, the, the next thing, I do want a couple of filters on my edit, on, on my edited audio track. I don't run the filters prior to editing, I do it after I edit. Now, no real reason other than I have a preference for editing the, the my personal preference is for making edits on the raw audio and then doing processing on what's, what's the, what is the completed edit. Edit it, what is the completed edit. Is, is what I want to do the processing on, the filtering on. And again, I think that's personal preference. I don't think it's, it's going to matter one way or another in terms of final sound quality if you decide to do this. So, yeah, the two filters that I, I use are Normalize, which, and a big thanks, by the way, this around, oh, what was it? It was episode three or four of the podcast, I got some, uh, some feedback and, and audio quality recommendations, recommendations and suggestions from David McSween, who is three point edit on Twitter. Well worth a follow. Very cool. Very helpful. And, uh, so big thanks for the, for the, if you happen to be listening to this episode, David, thank you so much for your help. Two filters that I tend to use. One's normalized and the other one's a compressor. Normalize. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head because, well, they're on the computer and I'm not, and I'm driving, so it's not in front of me. I'll put them in the show notes though, so that you can see it. And a lot of this deals with just the level. Oh, that reminds me, the levels that you record at. 
I tend to go by by. I don't, I don't like to have my audio constantly spiking because it's going to clip then, and then your audio quality kind of sucks. Every now and again, I yell, so I, I tend to record so that my 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 audio bounces right around the minus four dB range. Um, that's that tends to be where I think my voice is comfortably recording, and when when I don't have to do any sort of like dropping of the gain or anything when I when I get to the edits, it just goes nice. Now what normalize does that basically is going to uh, reduce your audio's dynamic range. For those of you who are doing visual graphics and especially doing the 3D stuff, high dynamic range is something that we love, right? We like in our images we like to have that high dynamic range when we're doing image processing. We want to have that uh, capture, right? You want to capture as much light as possible and you want to capture the darks and the brights for the, your images. Audio is the same sort of thing. You want to capture the high dynamic range, but you want to pick and choose what part of that range you want to show your audience with the images. And in audio is the same way. And normalize and using a normalize and compressing your audio helps to to narrow down the range that you want to to give to the audience to make it a, a pleasurable listen or in the case of images this is what you would do to make this is essentially it's not a it's not a one-to-one -one analogy but this using the using normalize and using a compressor is is roughly equivalent to tone mapping an hdr image to get the right range that you want to see in the final visual image uh, i know i have a lot of visual artists listening to this so uh, and i and i have a few audio guys listening to this so if i'm saying this all wrong Hop on the comments of the show and tell me and and correct me because I that's my understanding of it and that's the way I that's the way I sort of internalize it and if I'm wrong about that I'd like to be corrected, but yeah so what 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 normalize and what the what compress compress when I say compress I'm not talking about like converting to MPEG at this point I'm not talking about converting to an MP3 or an AUG or or that kind of compression I'm talking about actually compressing the the range of of the recording the, the the recorded gain if you will of of the audio that's what i'm that's what i'm that's what a compressor does it doesn't this isn't the 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 uh, the uh storage compression this is actually uh, sample or sample compression again my wording is not right so you audio people definitely go in there and and, and correct me on that in any case once I run those, and I'll have the numbers for those, I'll, I'll post those on the show notes for anybody who's interested. Then my next step, obviously, is I can't. I'm not going to push just that. I need to. I need to. You know, I need to donut it. I need to put a, an intro. I got to put the closer and those sort of things. So I actually record those right at my desktop. I have a a reasonably nice Plantronics headset, USB uh, audio headset that I use when I'm doing. voice chats, Google Plus Hangouts, or uh, Skype, and, uh, or when I, when I record video tutorials, which I haven't done in a while, but I use that headset for that, and it's, it's a really reasonable headset, and doesn't give, and cancels out a lot of bad noise, and, and gives, in my estimation, pretty good audio quality. So I record the intro and the outro on that after I edit the show, because Let's face it, sometimes after I record the show, I forget exactly what I said in the show, so it's worth it so that when I edit the show, it reminds me, and I can give a, a an intelligible intro 
after I do the edit. And so I'll record the intro and I'll record the outro as their own as their own tracks in Audacity. Move those around, set them in place. Those I will as well normalize and compress and I use the same settings as I do from the car. That's probably a mistake in terms of getting things all, all even, but for me, it sounds okay enough that I, I, it's much easier for me to just hit normalize and compress with the settings that I, I've been using rather than try to build in presets for, for the intro and the outro versus the car recording. Again, would the audio quality be a little bit better if I did that? When I say quality, I mean more, more consistent between the home recording part and the, the car recording part. I think that the audio quality, yeah, would probably be a little bit more consistent, but I think it, it's not that far off right now. And if it, if it is a problem, if it does jar you or bother you, let me know and I'll go ahead and make those presets because I can, I can do that because Audacity allows for presets on, on those kinds of filters. So it's, it's kind of nice. So I'll get the audio again. That's, I record the intro, record the outro, shuffle those over into place and then pull in the music tracks, which again were a song that was written by written and created by Sam Brubaker. You should follow him on Twitter as well. He goes by World's Day. So very cool dude. One of the one of the coolest dudes out there you'll 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 hear from. Does Blender stuff and computer graphics and does great audio. So Big thanks to him for, for letting me use his music as my intro and outro. And yeah, I, sh I shove those into the edit, get that all happy. Those, I have to adjust the gain a bit so that they don't overpower the audio. I have a little envelope on the, on the end of the show so that I can speak over the outro music. It just, I think, I think brings a little life and energy to the end of the show and I, I like doing that. And then with that complete, I basically take that and I export. I export that to an MPEG-3. MPEG, I wish I could speak today. Export to an MP3. And I use 128 kilobit, I think, um, audio and compress that down. What it comes down to is roughly a megabyte per minute of audio, give or take. That's that's roughly the, the compression range that I that I use. Now, that I'm not... I'm, that's done with the editing part of it, but it's still not ready to, to ship. It's not, not ready to release because there's no metadata in the actual podcast audio clip. You want to tag the, you want to tag your, your, your MP3 file, your output file with, with metadata and metadata. If you don't know, metadata is data about the data. <laughs> that's why it's meta. Uh, it's, it's basically information that's, that's, that's tucked into the MP3 that, that, MP3 players and, and audio players in general will read that data and give information and show in the player what's playing and not just the file name. So what goes in there that goes that's that's the show name, the show episode, uh, who created it, me, uh, the license that it's released under, and the album art, as well as the, uh, in the case of a podcast, the link to where you know the where the episode can be downloaded and, and those sort of things and. I put all that on with a fun little program called EasyTag, and it is exactly what it says. It's it's an easy way to tag metadata on audio files, and it works very very well. And I, I definitely recommend doing that. The album the album art I created in, in Inkscape, exported as a 
as a ping and then that ping file I, I attach to every audio file as the album art. So that's what shows up on your audio player. If, if you're not listening to this on the website and you actually download the MP3 file and you play it on whatever your audio player is, if your audio player supports metadata, then for instance, VLC will do it, Windows Media Player will do it, uh, most podcasts, uh, podcatchers on, on phones will do it, most media players on phones will do it. And it'll just basically treat that as the album art and, and that'll show when it plays. That's how that works. All right, now that's the recording part. That's the recording and editing. And now I have, I have my episode. Now I need to get it to you people. And this is the, the, the distribution component of it. And this is something that I'll actually, when I start, when I move the podcast to its own domain, which I, I still own, uh, when I move the podcast to opensourcecreative.org, then some of this is going to change, I think. And I'll, I'll, the specific parts that will change, I'll, I'll, I'll cover that when, when I get to it. But what happens now is I need to first get it uploaded somewhere. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. They have, there are hosts that host just podcasts. The thing about podcasts is, again, I'm talking one megabyte per minute of audio. Those aren't small files. I mean, we're, we're, we're living in a time and an era where, where, where high-speed internet is, is all over the place. But, I mean, relative to the size of a web page, which is, you know, a couple hundred K maybe, sometimes, you know, they'll get ridiculous and you'll have megabyte websites and stuff like that with lots of JavaScript and stuff pulling, pulling things through. But even then, 30 to 50 megs is still way more. It's an order of magnitude more. Than, than your typical website. So you typically don't have your standard web web host, like shared web host, like like DreamHost or Bluehost or HostGator or, or any of those guys. Um, you typically don't use those for hosting your podcast. Usually you will either use a dedicated podcast host like Libsyn or PodHoster or I think Blueberry offers a... a uh, a podcast hosting service as well. There, there are those. Me being a little paranoid about my own data and kind of a little do-it-yourself mindset, I actually host mine on uh, AWS, Amazon Web, Web Services uh, S3. So they have a, S3 is a their, their, their storage uh, mechanism where you can store large files and it's really inexpensive. Actually, when like for the amount of traffic that I get, which granted is, is not a large number of, of, of downloads. I think each episode for the show currently I get between a hundred and 150 downloads of each episode, uh, within the course of a week. So a bunch of the older episodes have been downloaded way, way many more times, but per week, a single episode, when I release this show, It'll probably, in the course of seven days, it'll probably get somewhere between 100 and 150 downloads. By the way, for you 150 people who listen to this show right when it comes out, I sincerely appreciate you listening. That's part of the reason why I keep doing it. It's part of the reason why I started doing it again is that, that um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, 100 people, even a couple hundred people, isn't, isn't a gigantically large audience, but, you know, I would... I think I think I think we're each other's people, right? I, I that it's it's you guys are, are are a big reason why I why I do this show, and so I I, I can't express enough how much I appreciate that you do listen, and so yeah, so it's not it's not a lot of traffic, but 
every episode adds to the amount of storage that that needs to be taken and and then subsequent to that you know people the listenership to the show is growing slowly and so that means that some people are interested in listening to every episode and at this point this is episode i think 29 i think i'm pretty sure it's 29 nearly 30 episodes as as they pile up they just you know that amount of storage gets more and the amount of bandwidth you just gets more even with that even with all of my shows still available and getting we'll say we'll round up between the the new release episodes and people listening to back episodes we'll say i get 200 downloads of of shows in general every week that bandwidth grows and for that Amazon charges me for for the storage of it. Right now, it's not a bad deal. I I think I pay a couple bucks a month for for the amount of storage and bandwidth that I use. And you know, if 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 the listenership listenership, I wish I could speak today. It's really messing with me. If the listen if the listenership spikes for the show and it gets really big, then obviously then my uh my my bill will go up. But I mean. We're talking. We're talking. The bill will go up in in, in an order of pennies to to single digit dollars. It's it's not a lot of money every every month or every, even every quarter to to pay to to host the site and, and and run it. It's a little bit of technical setup. I will say that much because it's not like putting it up to an FTP site or uploading it to to your web host where where you know those are 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 set, set ways of doing it you actually have to either use a an s3 client or you do it through the amazon web services website to to do the upload and for me i just go through the the aws website and upload that way but i can do it from the command line if i if i if i so chose speaking of no i'll get to that in a little bit <laughs> I was going to talk about the, the, the analytics and, and how I... Well, I'll talk about it now. Shit. The, <laughs> the analytics and how I know how many downloads I get. There, there's a couple of different ways. If you happen to use something like Libsyn or Podhoster or, or those, those sort of things, they actually provide you... Or Blueberry, for instance. They actually provide you with analytics showing you exactly how many episodes you get shown. They, they actually take their own logs, parse them and make them into really nice little, uh, emails and graphs that show, um, how many, how many li- people listening to, to each episode and those sort of things. But since I'm doing it myself, I basically have to get those analytics and those stats on my own. You can, with Amazon S3, you can turn on logging for that, for the files. And then I use a command, it's a command line tool that generates a web page. <laughs> called go access i have to double check the name of it but i'm pretty sure again i'm driving so cut me some slack called go access and go access what, what it does is i'll use a command line utility called s3 cmd s3 command which will basically rsync all of the logs from the my s3 instance my aws amazon s3 instance sync pull all of those logs locally and then i'll use go access to parse those logs and generate a website, a little HTML page that's local on my home computer that shows me, you know, how many times each episode's been downloaded and and some some very minor 
analytics related to 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 the downloads and those sorts of things maybe some something a little bit about the ips that that download the show and and those sort of things and that way i know a little bit where a lot of people who are listening to the show are and and i can sort of help tailor the show a little bit towards towards people who are interested in listening to it because that's you know again i do this i do this for for not just to talk to myself i actually do this so that i can you know share information with you so that's what i use for 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 pulling the analytic analytics data in the logs so that I know who's listening to the show and how many people listen to the show. It also lets me double check Amazon to, to make sure that, you know, they're, they're charging me for the right amount of bandwidth that I've used. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to catch them screwing up, but you know, it's, it's for my own peace of mind as well. It's, it's nice to have those logs available to me. Now, I have so, so recapping, I have recorded the podcast, I've edited the podcast, I've tagged the podcast, and I've uploaded it to a host to AWS S3 so that I can share it with everybody else. Now I get to the part of sharing it. What I use, I'm, I'm hosting this, as you know, I'm hosting this on my personal website, monsterjavaguns.com. That is a WordPress site, and there is a Blueberry plugin. Now, the, the interesting thing about Blueberry is a pod podcast host, but their plugin for WordPress doesn't require that you use them as a host. You can point any file, any podcast file to do it. And so that's what I do. I have the Blueberry plugin, podcasting plugin. I have it configured the way I need it to for, and the reason why you want to use the plugin is for people who, who subscribe to your podcast via iTunes or straight RSS because iTunes requires you to use RSS. And so the RSS is not the same RSS for those, you know, it's really simple syndication. This is how you can subscribe to blogs with a, with a, a, uh, a feed reader and those sort of things. It used to be a lot more popular. People don't do that as much anymore, uh, especially since the, the Google reader RSS uh, aggregator died. <laughs> the, the RSS aggregators just, just haven't been as popular in the, in the last five years, five or six years or so as social media has gotten more popular. So there's, I, I, I think RSS is really cool, but you know, you, it's not, it's not being used as much or when people use it, they're not using it right. Podcasts are a place where RSS is still alive and well and being used. And it's the formatting of your RSS feed is very, it's very particular so that iTunes and podcasts, podcatchers and Google play and, and all of these aggregators for podcasts can actually get the right data, get your album art, get the notes for the show and those sort of things and, and, and list them properly. So you want to have your RSS properly formatted. And that's really the primary purpose for the blueberry plug-in. Otherwise you'd, you'd have to do it yourself or write your own plugin to do it. Not, not an insurmountably difficult thing to do, but if people in Blueberry have already done it and they don't require to use their host user plugin, why not? Right? That's, it's not a bad, it's not a bad call. It solves the problem. So that's what I do. I have the Blueberry plugin. I point, point it to the audio, make sure that I have my album art showing up in the post. I write my show notes and the player shows up because of the, the it's Blueberry PowerPress is the plugin, by the way. So that also gives you the player for the audio. And with 
with the advent of more HTML5 and, and the, the very pleasant but stupidly slow death of Flash, having, having custom players isn't as, as necessary now as it used to be when, when, when podcasting was a lot younger. But again, PowerPress handles a lot of that for you, so you don't have to worry about it as much. For those of you who don't subscribe and, and download episodes yourselves, you can play them right from the website with the player that's there. And that's the other benefit of having the, the, power, uh, the PowerPress plugin to do that. Now, when I move to opensourcecreative.org, I'm very seriously considering not using WordPress. The reason for that is because I think WordPress, if I'm, like, my personal website, I'm doing a lot of things I haven't updated as, as regularly as I, as I probably ought to, but I, I, the intent is to do a lot of different things on monsterjavaguns.com. Show a little bit of my art, show links to some of my books, do, do actual blogging. <laughs> those, are, those are sort of the, and then just be sort of a central hub for, for, for me, right? For opensourcecreative.com.org, ooh, I almost passed that one. For opensourcecreative.org, for the time, I mean, I have a lot of plans for that as well, but I think WordPress might be a little heavy-handed for that. So I'm looking at trying to use a um, static page generator like Hugo or Jekyll. There's another one that I um, heard about today. Was it called Bladder? Blather? So I have to look that one up. But I'm thinking about using a, a, a static site generator to, to host for the, for the podcast and for opensourcecreative.org. And that will the only caveat to that is that I have to make sure that I have all the, the bits and pieces together for having the inline player and having properly formatted RSS. Those are sort of the things that I, I really need to make sure that that's on point and working before I, I, I take that jump. But I really like... I mean, worst case, worst case, I can go back to, to using WordPress and the PowerPress plugin and, and go with that. But I think I'd really be, I'd really like to use something like Hugo to, to generate the site. And then I don't have to worry about, because I can, I can update content because I can, I, I can SSH to my home computer from just about anywhere. I can update and, and I write pretty much all my writing now is in Markdown. I can I can update a website from my home computer from anywhere, and and I don't have, then I don't have to worry about PHP exploits or logins because all I'm shipping up, all I'm delivering to my web host are static HTML files. So that's there's a big advantage in in, in I think for me at least in taking that approach from a. a maintenance and security standpoint. So I'm, I'm very interested in doing that, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'll probably be trying to start that migration in the next week, couple of weeks and, and go from there. But that's, that's the last component is the distribution part. Now that, now that the episode is, is in PowerPress on my website, then because I've automatically registered it, I've all, I've ages ago, I registered the podcast with iTunes and a couple other different places, new episodes get notified, show up the RSS, you know, they, they, they parse the RSS and automatically update themselves. And all that starts to aggregate and people with podcatchers that uh, scan the site, they, they scan based on the feed 
and that also updates and so then they can download you can download individual episodes that way and that's pretty much it that's that's the the general state of it and then you know you can make comments on the show on on because i'm using wordpress you can make comments right there on the blog post and uh that works that way or of course the the distribution to social networks that's i do that manually basically i I log I log into Facebook, I log into Google Plus, I log into Twitter, and I share the podcast there. On Facebook, the open source creative has its own Facebook page. Not a very high traffic thing because um, Facebook has funny rules about they don't want they only show a, a post on that website to ten percent of that site's audience unless you start paying for 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 the right to show it off and. I'm not gonna gonna pay to advertise that, at least not at this point. So I'll post it there and then I'll reshare it with my personal account. And that's that's sort of the way that 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 I've been doing it on Facebook or Google Plus. I just post it right on my personal account and say likewise on Twitter. Ultimately I I, I make make specific accounts for open source creative on Twitter and maybe Google Plus, but I haven't I haven't decided that that's a good idea yet. What do you what do you think? Do you think uh, you're right just following me on, for instance, on, I already have a page on Facebook, so that's pretty much set. But would a dedicated open source creative account on Twitter be useful to you? Or is it just fine just to follow me and, and see not only when I post these episodes, but also, you know, my, my antics and stupidity between each episode? Uh, let me know. I, you know, I'll probably make a decision on exactly what you tell me because because that's that's probably the right thing to do. <laughs> and there we have it. Podcast is is out in the wild and then right there for you to listen to and now you're listening to an episode that I've done all of those things too, but right now I'm only in the recording part of it. So I still have to go through the editing and the tagging and recording the opens and closes and uploading and all that i have to go through that later tonight and i will and since i have pretty much come to the end of my commute i'll probably do that in just a little bit in the meantime i'm gonna stop now all right time to get to work and there you have it a show about a show or making a show now you should have the basic tools to go out and record a show of your own if you'd like to, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, oh, I, I should mention that I forgot to include another possible place for hosting podcasts, especially ones that are licensed under a Creative Commons license. That's archive.org. Download speeds are a little bit slower than the other options, but it's hard to argue with free. Also, uh, again, what did you think about the nuts and bolts technical style show? Did, do you like it? Do you want more of these? Should I go back to being a ranty bastard? I want to know. So please let me know by making a comment on the podcast section of my website. That's monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or track me down on social media. I'm Jason Van Gumster, or you just look for Monster Java Guns, and you can find me there and tell me what you think about that. I also, of course, have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing that goes out about once a month, where you can get an early in on knowing anything that I'm up to. You can subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site as well. All right. I should do it. Look forward to seeing what you do. You to get to work.